Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. For those of you online on our Mecca campus, glad to see you today. Uh, We don't see you, but you see us, me anyway. Uh, And so I'm grateful today for so many things. And have have you ever done this where uh, you heard some Christmas music uh, and then you start to think to yourself, and BGL has gone down this, uh, this road where they're, they're asking people to remember the things that you're actually thankful for. They did the best uh, Christmas recipes. Did you hear that? They've done that this year. And uh, the one that, you know, it was a sweet potato casserole. I'm like, that is not. I mean, right? I mean, I'm not discounting it, but that's not the best recipe out there for sweet potatoes. I, you know, there's a lot of, okay. But anyway, but still, they had these, con- and then they say, think about what you're thankful for. I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're past, you know, Thanksgiving and at Christmas, but what, what exactly are you grateful for? You know, I'll bet it would shock you if you really did, the, did it. And so I do that. Uh, I was listening uh, to um, Jonathan and Lindsay in the morning. Anybody listen to those guys? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and, and they're, 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 they're always cutting up, you know, and they're always funny. Uh, and I just love the spirit that I hear from. You don't hear that on other radio stations that aren't Christian. I mean, you hear some cool stuff. Yeah, sure. But the heartfelt, you know, right, love of Christ just exudes from them. You can tell the difference. And, and it, makes, it makes my day. You know, I, I hate it because I, I, like, I like Christmas music, but I don't want to hear it from Thanksgiving all the way forward. I mean, I, you know, I can only hear so much of it. Uh, but, but I'll tell you this, the season is what makes it for me. And good night, uh, uh, WBOW started well before that, you know? Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's a secular station. But I think this year there's something important about that because we need this more than we have, I think. We really do. I mean, this is, you know, we, we need the Christ child. We need the, the, the feeling of the goodness that we get from it. Uh, our nation could use it. Uh, you, know, the, you know, the church could use it. Humanity can use it. And Christmas, again, is, is the, the celebration, the holiday that's done all around the world. There, there's, right? Nobody celebrates on different days. I mean, you can, I guess if you don't throw Hanukkah in there, okay. But, but you know what I'm saying, all right? So our Thanksgiving is just ours. You know, Canada has their own, and several, uh, you know, places in Europe have theirs, but, but Christmas is everybody's, right? And so this is where the world unites under one authority. Let me tell you something, friends. In the end, there's only going to be one authority, Okay. Only gonna be one authority. Either you're in or you're out. Amen. One authority. And as I began to think about that, I realized that we have quite a quite a challenge this year. I want to talk with you today about being prepared to be God's instrument. Because you know, it's not as easy as you might think. And I'm not sure all of us have received it and accepted it in a manner that God 
has desired that we do. And so as I began to really think about this, of course, I put these messages together back in around about April uh, this past year. Uh, and of course, I've tweaked them and I've added and subtracted, you know, and things like that. And some of them are longer, some are, are shorter, and you're hoping today's is shorter because we're going to lunch. Uh, it's only two pages today, so, but you know that doesn't mean much with me. But, uh, you know, I, I tell you the truth, uh, this passage, I, I focused on Luke because I really like the way Luke uh, has put things together. Uh, he, uh, uh, obviously, a medical doctor, a podiatrist, uh, highly educated Gentile, uh, became a Christian, uh, and because of that, you know, walked with Jesus, wasn't a chosen disciple, but certainly would be considered an apostle. He certainly walked with Jesus a lot, followed Jesus when he could, and it was quite often. And he wrote a lot, too. Uh, we know that he assisted the apostle Paul a lot uh, when Paul was, uh, you know, in prison and things like that. In fact, Luke was about the only Christian that could get in there to see him without having fear of being, you know, imprisoned or killed because he was a Gentile and, uh, uh, and had Roman citizenship as well. Uh, but because, because he was a doctor, he could attend to Paul, which he did. Uh, and I believe they collaborated together on the book of Hebrews. I, some might dispute that, but uh, they can't really tell me I'm wrong either. So that's, you know. But anyway, so you can see that Luke was very instrumental in the kingdom. Uh, but he gets less accolades sometimes because he wasn't one of the chosen disciples, you know. So he writes, though, to the Gentile nation, you know. Uh, and that's interesting because Matthew wrote to Jews. We know that. Okay, Mark wrote, you know, to the Romans, we know that. Uh, John wrote to all peoples. He didn't really have a particular group, but Luke writes to the Gentile nation. And this is important because, friends, when you look at Jews and Gentiles, today we would separate it Christian and non-Christian because that's the difference because we're all Jews now by association. But interestingly, we have a lot of friends, coworkers, family members that are what we would consider non-Christians or Gentiles. And at, uh, you know, at Jay's uh, sister's graveside yesterday, uh, he had a beautiful uh, talk about his sister talking to his family. He probably d doesn't like it that I'm telling it because uh, he doesn't want anything to come back to him. But, Jay, I appreciated what you said. And he wasn't fearful about telling them. Listen, if you're, he said, if you're, if you're interested in, in this relationship, you know, it's there for you. And we, we need to do that. Okay, we need, we need to have people know about Jesus Christ. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And I want to talk to you about, about what he's going to write here to us today and what it means to us in being his instrument. Luke chapter 1, scroll down to verse 26, and you'll caption it if you have the NIV of the birth of Jesus foretold. It's, going to be other, it's probably the same on almost all of them. Uh, and this is what Luke writes. He says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now hold that in your head. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? 
The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. And so the angel left her. And now scroll down to verse 46. This is Mary's song. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Now, this is Mary singing this song. It's a canticle, what we consider to be a canticle. Many years ago, my friends, you know I spent a, long, a little time in the United States Marine Corps, and I remember many years ago I was uh, one of those very fortunate uh, Marines who was uh, able to ask for and receive uh, posting to the islands of Hawaii. And, of course, roundabout now, that seems awful good. And I remember, uh, you know, we were exploring the islands. About my third year there, we started to get out to the other islands away from Oahu a little bit. And they're a lot more, uh, I guess, more country, more barren, more desolate. In fact, there are actually real-life bandits on the big island. They're just places you just don't go. <laughs> Even the cops don't go there because uh, it's, like, it's kind of like the Wild West still in some respects. They don't do much crime unless you go into their neighborhood and then there's crime, see, because uh, they're very territorial. Uh, but, you know, so we don't talk about that much. We consider Alaska to be the last frontier. Well, there's some spots on the big island that are that way as well. And uh, so some Marines and I decided that we were going to, I had a friend who was a helicopter crew chief in the CH-46 squadron, uh, and a couple times I got him to take us over to Koholavi so we could hunt uh, the wild goats over there and things like that. Some of you have heard that, those stories. And then uh, another time I asked him, would you be willing to, you know, take us, you know, out to uh, uh, the big island, uh, wouldn't cost us any airfare, you know, pick, you know, drop us off on a Thursday, we got a four-day weekend, and if you guys are flying on Monday, again, maybe you could pick us up, you know, we could just ask for a little time off to get back, and, and of course, we all received that, and the pilots of that, uh, that, uh, uh, that gunship, they, they didn't care where they flew, <laughs> you know, so the crew chief was able to say, hey, can we go over there, and they said, sure, whatever, and so we dropped some Marines off, sure, whatever, I don't think the Marine Corps will, you know, let you do that anymore, but back then, you could get away with it. And so they took us over to the big island, and we had a place we wanted to camp, and, and this is great. We met some ranchers over there, and the guy said, hey, if you guys want to, you know, uh, shoot some of the coyotes we got out here, because there's coyotes out there, you want to shoot, they, they, you know, they mess with our cattle and things. If you want to shoot them, it'd be great. And we said, sure, we'll shoot anything. Whatever you want to shoot, we'll shoot it. And they said, uh, hey, if you guys want to ride horses, you want to ride some horses? We're like, yeah, we ride horses. And so they gave us some horses, you know. And, uh, and of course, everybody... <laughs> Nobody had, very few of us had ridden very much. I had, but not a lot. And, and of course, everybody ran in and grabbed a horse, and the, and the guys who were helping the ranchers were telling them which ones were spirited and which ones were kind of, you know, easy. And, of course, they took all the smaller horses, and I ended up with the biggest horse in there. And, and, and he uh, was a stallion, and, and you knew that was a powerful animal. 
And I'm going to tell you, I was the smallest guy in the group on the biggest horse. So they thought I had more experience than they did, and they're probably right. But on a horse like this, it takes a lot of experience. And I'm going to tell you, that horse the whole time, I, I don't know who was riding who is all I'm going to say. And I, and I know, we were, so we're going up in this area, and we're going through some thicket area and down some rocks, and we're going up a hill. And I remember uh, uh, he kept, he, he, did, he knew, they, they can sense, and he knew I wasn't an experienced rider. And so I think he thought, well, you know, I'm just going to have my way with this guy. And so he started taking his head and throwing his head up and down like this. And every time he, and all of a sudden, he, he threw his head down so hard that he pulled the reins. And here I am, no reins. I'm like, uh-oh, this isn't good. And so, and of course, the horse almost turned back, almost smiled at me. You know, he, he, and, and so I grabbed his hair and, you know, and his mane and, and, and the, the horn of his, of his saddle, and I'm digging up. And of course, they're all, my friends are all, they're riding, and their horses are just prancing right along. And, and, and then mine's doing, and he's going up this hill through this thicket, and I'm, this, they're grabbing at me, you know, the, and I'm holding on. And of course, I don't want to go through a thicket. They're not going through the thicket, but my horse decides to go through the thicket with me on it because he knows I ain't going to like it. And so he's, he's got me, and, it's, it's, and I'm thinking, oh, this is not good at all. And if he takes off, I'm, I ain't going to be on there long. And one of my friends, but thankfully the thicket slowed us down a little bit because uh, the horse found out he didn't care for it either. He just did it because he had a mind of his own. And one of my friends rode up, reached over, grabbed the reins, and gave them back to me. And I, brother, I, and I thought, maybe I ought not do that. Maybe I ought not wrap up because he takes off, you're on. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going. You know? And, and, and I realized that when he, I, I was no longer in control. The horse knew immediately that I was no longer in control. And, you know, when I got the reins back, of course, everybody was laughing, and they never did ever let me hear the end of that. And we haven't seen each other for quite a while, but I'll bet you they would bring that up if we ever got together again, these guys, these characters. And here, here's, here's where, 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 what I got from this. I think we're all a little bit like that horse. I think that, you know, we want to be in control of life. We want to hold the reins. I struggle with giving up the reins. Do you? And I think we do it with God, too, a lot. We want to call the shots. We want to decide how and when that God will use us. We do. We're picky about how God uses us. <laughs> huh? If we, if we want to be honest with each other and ourselves before God now, we're picky about how God's going to use us, and we want to determine how that's going to be. Come on. As a matter of fact, it's funny. I began to think about this, and I thought, you know, have you ever noticed that maybe uh, you find yourself often using God instead of allowing Him to use you? Has anybody done that at all? And the result is always shallow Christian thinking shallow Christian belief systems and shallow Christian living when you want to use God and not allow Him to lose you. If God isn't using you, you got a problem. Because you, you're not in control as much as you think you are. In fact, nobody on this earth is really in control. Do you know that? God's in control. So why are we trying to take control then? 
You see, I can understand, you know, unbelievers doing that. But Christians, how can we do that? And yet, sometimes we do. Maybe a lot of times we do. Now, it's not really much of an adventure, you know, when uh, we set limits on what God can do with us. <laughs> and then some of you are like, well, I don't want an adventure anyway. I like things just the way they are. Thank you very much. Right? I want to know what's up around the bend. I want to know what's on the other side of the mountain. I want to know before I go there. Don't we? Now, Luke tells of Mary, who decided to allow God to use her instead of her just using Him. And she was fully open uh, to become an instrument in His hands. And before we understand how, let me be clear about some confusion about Mary. First, I want to talk about the overemphasized Mary. Some churches and religions of faith attempt to overemphasize Mary's role in the world. She gets more attention than Jesus does sometimes and is even called by many as the mother of God or the co-redeemer. I really struggle there. I struggle there for a variety of reasons. Not that she isn't the mother of God, but I think we've misunderstood the context of that. She's actually, if you want to be truthful about it, neither of those things. Now, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Just hear me out. She's actually just a woman like you and me, a human, who are saved by grace. Okay? She wasn't born of a virgin, and she died just like any other human being. Agreed? And I have to tell you, I know that Roman Catholics, and I grew up one, uh, will bristle when they hear we should not call her mother of God and that we shouldn't pray to her. They do. They have. But they have to remember that God has no mother. He just is. He always was. <laughs> he said that. He just is and He always was. Mary is certainly the mother of the human form of God, whom we call the Christ. And let me explain it in this way, perhaps. She is the mother of His humanity, but not His divinity. You might want to write that down. She's the mother of his humanity, not his divinity. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to cause consternation or, or you know, a division amongst Christians. Please don't hear me say that. I just want to put things into context because I think sometimes we put Mary on this pedestal like we do the Christ, and there's a problem there because uh, Christ also was human and had to make the same choices we do as Mary was human and had to make the same choices that we do. There wasn't much difference between the human Jesus and the, the, the mother that we call Mary. And they had to make decisions just as much as we do. Yet, she was chosen for this great honor due to her godly heart and her godly attitude. And she is still a human who needed a Savior, you see. Just like every human ever created. And then there's the, the, what I call the underemphasized Mary. Many people, perhaps in reaction to the overemphasized Mary, tend to underemphasize her role and leave her out of the gospel story altogether. But there has to be a balance, you see, 
and put her into context about who she is. And even though Mary isn't a deity, she is considered saintly by the Christian church of all faiths. Now, Mary was, in essence, a good and godly woman. And she was also a teenager without a clue. <laughs> huh? But she was ready to be assigned an adventure and to be God's instrument. So let's talk about what that looks like. God uses people, friends, but only by His grace. God uses people only by and through His grace. Get that in your heads right off the bat. You see, the Bible says that Mary was the object of God's favor. Okay? So numerous times in this passage, the angel says that Mary was, has found favor with God. And the word favor, as Gabriel uses it here in this passage, uh, refers to uh, God's gracious choosing of an instrument. And so Mary was a human and therefore a sinner, and she could only be saved by a Savior and by His grace. Now, I suspect that might have been kind of strange for her, knowing that her son was going to be the one that would do it. But let's face it, she knew something about him, right, and what he was going to do, and she knew the authority and power that he was going to have, and we, she, we proved that by his first miracle, okay, when he asked her to, or, or she asked him to change the water into wine, you know. Well, she didn't ask him to do that. She just said they had no more wine, knowing he could do something about it. And he was kind of, you know, a little bit uh, upset with her about that. You know my time hasn't come. Not that I can't do it, but... Right? In fact, he's almost <laughs> not nice where he goes, woman, don't you know? I suspect that wasn't the first time. But she knew. Which means she had to know that he was her Savior. More so than her son, you see. But aren't you grateful that God found favor with her and that there was somebody on this earth he could do that with and, and, and she was willing to be the instrument? He chose a 12 or 13-year-old girl, certainly no older than 14. Now, that's, you, know, you know 12, 13, 14-year-old girls today, not very many of them have a head about them to do that, be a parent, let alone the mother of the Savior. Amen? Of course, we lived in a different time back then, I know, but still. Now, remember the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In other words, it's easy, friends, for humans to glorify the person or the deeds or talents of another human. We're, we're real good at that. But we really have no right to do so since all of us are created by God. If you really want to get technical about it, you really don't. And it stuns me that all the news outlets, and particularly Yahoo and HuffPost and some of those, which you know are just stellar in the reporting, you know, they say things, well, so-and-so says this about the election, or so-and-so says this about this, about abortion, or so-and-so says this. Well, do I really give a rip? what an actress or an actor or a musician thinks, because I don't. Now, if you're going to tell me that a biblical authority says something, okay, now I'm interested. But opinions are opinions, and everybody's got one. 
And you know there's probably more to that cliche. But the fact of the matter is, your opinions don't really count. No human's opinions really count. Only God's opinion counts. And God says, this is the way it is. This is the way it's always been. And this is the way it's going to be. So, do you serve humanity or do you serve God? Peter and John were uh, told by the Sanhedrin, stop talking about this person. In fact, don't even mention his name again. And Peter and John said, you tell us what we should do. Listen to man or God? You know, it's a fair question. What are we doing? Are we listening to man or are we listening to God? You, you tell me what we're doing. Because I think we're increasingly listening to man. You see, none of us are God. And a lot of us aren't even like Him. We're supposed to be. We've been commanded to be, but we're not, you see. And we can't be like Him unless He shows us extended favor and grace. It's not possible. So when we testify about God's grace, we're giving Him the glory and letting people see Him as great and as the all-powerful Creator and the sustainer, not us. He is. For we realize that we would be nothing on this earth or anywhere without Him. In fact, Amen. you know, a funeral director once told me that death is death and it comes to all. And I don't think David understood that when he said it. His name was David. And I told him, but that isn't true, David. He said, I've worked in this industry for too long. I know better. And I said, I've worked in it too, and I also know better. Because I know who I serve. I know who's in here. I know what He did for me, and I know where I'm going. And I pray that you all know where you're going. If anybody in here doesn't know where you're going, then you, you, you don't even wait to the end of the sermon. Get up here. And we'll pray on you right now, because that's more important than anything we'll do today. Right? I know where I'm going. I know, and I know why, and I know by the way, and I know what it means. For we realize that we would be nothing without Him. You you, you just automatically know that. The prophet Isaiah understood this for all humanity. He said in Isaiah 64, 6, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. In other words, friends, we should never overemphasize the greatness of humanity, for none of us is really that great. Jesus Himself said that. Why do you call me good? He was pretty good. But he said, why do you call me good? Only the Father is good. Because he knew in his humanity, he was not. My goodness. So in this society of movie stars, musicians, athletes, and celebrities, every single one of us should remember that whatever talent or notoriety someone receives, it all comes from God anyway. And so God wants to use us by His grace, you see. He only uses those worthy of His favor, at least in a manner worthy of being used for His kingdom. And that is not to say that God wouldn't or hasn't used people for His purposes, because He has, regardless of their status. Okay? Again, what's impossible with God? Nothing. So God can and will use people for His purposes, whether they're willing to be or not. Okay? I've seen it. I've seen Him use evil people, I'm telling you.
But there's a, a huge difference between God using people for, their, for His purposes and quite another for God to find favor with His servants and to use them as a partner in ministry to advance His kingdom. So I'm asking you, what I'm asking myself, is God using you to advance His kingdom because He's found favor with you today? I mean, isn't that really, isn't that really what we ought to be asking ourselves here? Is God using me because He's found favor upon me to advance His kingdom? That's what I want to know. And I think if you ask God, He's going to tell you. So we're going to have to understand the difference and realize that God uh, only does this with those who have surrendered their lives and those who put Him first. If you don't put God first, God can't use you. He'll use you for things maybe, for His purposes, but it isn't because He found favor upon you. Huh? You know what else God does? Secondly, He uses people who are available. You know, we're not really available today. And the devil knows we're not available because He's made it that way. The devil doesn't want you to be available. That's true. That's very true. Very true. Very true. Hmm. Glory to God. Praise God. I have to tell you, friends, I'm friends with a lot of pastors in town. Some of them are acquaintances and some of them are friends. And I can have deep theological conversations with the ones that are friends. We may disagree on some things, but by and large, we all agree on the same things that matter. And I've had these conversations with some of these guys, uh, and I've had a couple, a gal or two in there. And, and here's the deal. We realize that we're in a, in a rough spot here today. Because Satan has made humanity so busy with even good stuff that we're not available to God. We're available for the things that we want to be available to. I'm going to tell you right now. You are available when you want to be. You will put effort... And make yourself available for the things that are important to you. But are you doing it for the things that are important to God? That's the question everybody's got to answer. And you will answer it. If not here, another day. Right, Bishop? You will. You will answer for that. So here's the thing. We have to be fat. Who wants to be fat in here today? Anybody? <laughs> Billy boy. Listen, you, we got to be fat for God. Okay, and I know you're wondering, what's he talking You know I'm going somewhere with this, right? You know I am. Now, Dr. Howard Hendricks was a beloved professor at uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, but he was known in an even bigger capacity for he was a, speech, uh, 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 a, uh, a featured speaker for this, uh, this group called Promise Keepers. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Anybody go to Promise Keepers? How many, how many of you men went to Promise Keepers? Come on. It's been a while since they've done much, uh, but they're still, they're still in business doing it. Uh, but I went more than once. I went several times. He died in 2013, but I remember something that he said in Indianapolis when I attended a Promise Keepers conference. And I love this quote by him when he was speaking about being used of God. He said, we, we have to be fat. We have to be fat for God. And whenever we hear that word, most of us think, uh, you know, of something different than uh, Dr. Hendricks intended. He said that we should be fat for God because that means we are faithful Available and teachable. Faithful, available, and teachable. And, and you're going to remember fat because we re- remember things like that. So, but you've got to remember what, the, what it means. Faithful, available. And so say it with me. That way you remember better. He, you got to be faithful, available, and teachable. Yeah. 
Now, looking at Mary's example, she was certainly all of those things. She was faithful in being ready to take up the assignment. The Bible points out three times in this passage that she was a virgin. There's no doubt about that, is there? Now, you and I both know, if someone came to you and said that they were pregnant by the Holy Spirit, what would you think? Right. Do you think it was any different in Mary's day? No. No. But you and I know that this one was real. Yeah? Because everything we believe stands or falls upon it. Right? Now, of course, you know, this would put serious questions and doubt into your mind when someone would say that. But on the theological side, this was a testimony to the divine nature of Jesus. As it is, you know, he had to be born of a virgin or there would have been serious doubts to his divine authenticity. In fact, there has always been doubt sowed by the naysayers who listen to Satan. And those who use earthly wisdom to explain things that they cannot explain. <laughs> we're, we're forever doing that, aren't we? Explaining things in earthly reason that we just really can't explain. Things we're never going to know this side of heaven. Anybody? Now, on the practical side, it lets us know that Mary was ready for this particular assignment, her assignment. You know, Mary was a virgin. But notice what she says. Okay, let it be as you have said. I don't know, I don't know anybody who wanted to keep their reputation intact but said, okay, uh, let's go. Let's do it. Thank you. But she did. Do you think she had questions? Do you think she had doubts? You bet she did. But that all went to the wayside and to the back when she said, okay. I am God's servant, let it be as you have said. She was available. When God spoke, she didn't say no. And she certainly didn't demand more evidence. And I'm telling you, I've demanded more evidence. Anybody ever demanded more evidence from God? She was simply ready for this assignment. And let's face it, she had other plans. (laughs) The, The plans that God put on her, that wasn't her plan. Right? I mean, you know what she had plans for. She was grateful, you know, to find a husband. I, I don't think she particularly, uh, like most girls in her day, uh, were, you know, I've got to get practical here and give you some depth here because a lot of people don't know this. But Joseph was a lot older than she was. I mean, in fact, Joseph died, we believe, of old age uh, when Jesus was a teenager. So Joseph was up there, okay? Probably... 40 years older than her, most likely. Okay? Now, that's not what most young ladies are looking for. Russia, yeah. United States, no. That's true. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. But here's the thing. Her plan, you know, would, would have been to marry someone probably closer in age to her. Right. Isn't that what we typically do? And we have right reasons for doing that. She, you know, but she was grateful in those days. It wasn't a guaranteed thing that you got a man that would take you as a wife and, and take care of you. Because as a woman, you had very little means to do that. Because women weren't allowed to do the things that men did back then and in their culture. And so you needed a husband so that you would have your needs taken care of. Because at a certain point, the family couldn't afford to have you anymore. And guess what? You were expected to be out. 
And, and, the, and the, those gals, their whole lives were about work, I'm telling you. You worked in the house. So, you see, it was a whole different culture. Today, I'm telling you, our children get upset if you tell them they can't play a video game. You see, you see the difference here? The responsibility was very different back then, hugely so. So her plans probably didn't coincide with what the angel comes to say to her. She probably had some other dreams of her own, but knowing she was betrothed to Joseph, it probably wasn't as bad as what it could be, and so she said, okay. And from all accounts, it appears that Joseph treated her very well. But Joseph was chosen because of his heart too. Okay? Do you think that Mary's marriage to Joseph was... Just because Joseph thought she was cute? God's hands all over this, you see. And we don't like it when our plans are dashed or they're changed. Good night. We don't like it if our plans are changed because there's a train in front of us. Who's done that? You know? You know, how many of you lately have driven down the street, you got Starbucks on your mind? And you get there, and there's this line all the way around the building with cars. And you don't have that kind of time. And you did like I did. You said, well, that's okay. I know that there's not a lot of people that goes over to the Christian bookstore. There's one over there, too, so I'm just going to go over there. And lo and behold, they were closed for vacation for a week. <laughs> Who found that out? Anybody? I'm not the only one. Come on. I'm not the only one. And so Billy and I are going to have a chat about that, you guys. <laughs> Billy's a good friend. So, yeah, right? I was going to go to Starbucks if it was closer. Right? Our plan, right? And you, you don't have time for that, so your plans are changed. How many of you have gone out to a restaurant only to find it was closed? Your plans were changed. Huh? How many of you were excited about the TV show that you like, and lo and behold, something about the election was on instead, and you didn't get to watch it? Your plans were changed. And let's face it, there's a lot more plans that are changed. Well, listen, we don't like the small. This was a big, this was a life plan. It was changed. How is she going to explain this? How is she, right? What's Joseph going to say? You know, Joseph, I, I've got some news. <laughs> right. Huh? Mm-hmm. She was available anyway. And not only in her mind, but in the mind of her betrothed husband, Joseph, and her family and all the, the, that knew her. This was right. But she still continued to be available. Her plans didn't go the way she dreamed that they would, but God used her anyway because she was available to him. And we're so busy telling God what we want and how he can use us that he can't use us. That's fact. Mary was also teachable. Do you think you're teachable? sometimes when you're willing to be teached, right? That's not a word, but you know my meaning on it. Right? I use teached in the manner that I did and pause for, for effect. You know the word is taught. But we're talking about being teachable here. Are you teachable? 
kind of depends. We like to think we are. Did you notice how quietly and obediently she listens to the Lord's messenger? I think I'd have said, what? <laughs> whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, stop, whoop, whoop, stop right there. Hold on, hold on a minute, you see, because I've got plans here. All right now. Go ahead and preach the word. I think I've done that. I think I've done it when God had a word for me. I think I've done that. I think, I, whoa, 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 wait a minute. God Almighty, yes, sir. She asked him how it's going to happen, but she doesn't interject her own opinion of the thing. She simply lets God have his way, and she acknowledges his authority to do as he desires. And again, there's no way she could understand how God was going to do this, but she trusts God, not only for her own well-being, but her own reputation as well. See, we, we, we don't want to do that. We, we want to say, well, God, you know, this is what's going to happen, and these, the church people, you know, they're going to think this, or they're going to, mm, oh, my. Oh, yes. But everyone knew her nature. Thank you. Everybody knew she was a godly woman. An unmarried pregnancy would immediately call all of that into question. Immediately. Everything she'd worked for, all the godliness, all of that would be called into question. You know that, right? Tell me it wouldn't happen that way today. Now, come on. And yet, here's God needing it to be an unmarried pregnancy. Otherwise, people wouldn't believe it to be divine. Or they might not. They, some of them didn't anyway. But Mary accepted all of this, even though she didn't understand it, because she was teachable. My question is, okay, are you fat for God? There's that word again. Are you? You know, thirdly, God uses people with His power. He uses people with His power. Jesus came through the power of God, didn't He? I mean, everybody here knows that He did. Remember, Mary asked how the miraculous birth of Jesus is supposed to occur. And I thought, well, okay, (laughs) that's interesting. It would be a natural question concerning her virginity, yeah. And God's answer is clear. The Holy Spirit will accomplish it. Supernaturally, the power of God will overcome the laws of nature, which they can and do. I mean, God set the laws of nature, didn't He? He can certainly set them aside, can't He? And not only that, God did this so that all the world would testify to God's power. Because that's never been done since. It had never been up to that time. And anybody else who's ever claimed it, nobody believed it. Yeah, wouldn't today either. Yes, sir. Here's my question. Can God still do it? Oh, yes. But He's not going to. He's not going to. He did it. He did it. He accomplished it when it needed to be. And then the messenger gives Mary this testimony of what has, a, has happened in Elizabeth's life. For she too has experienced a miracle in the power of God. Remember that verse from earlier? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Yes, I know that many people didn't believe it. They didn't. 
And yes, I know that Mary and Joseph received some cruel looks from people, probably some ridicule among those uh, who knew them. Probably got strange and bizarre looks and people, you know, even amongst family members probably. And do you think that anybody told Joseph, you're a stupid man? Do you think anybody did that? Oh, I'm guessing. I'm pretty sure it's accurate. Do you think that Joseph had well-meaning friends that said, hey, man, come on? See, Billy already knows that because his favorite book is Job, right? So Job's friends, even his wife did it to him. Do you think they didn't do it to Joseph? Come on now. Come on. People are people, man. Always going to be, right? Aren't we? Do you think no gossip happens in the church? It does. It does big time. Big time. It's not happening here, is it? <laughs> it has, but it, I don't think it's happening now. If it is, you know you're going to get a phone call. Right? Because it, it, there's no place for that. There just isn't. But people are who they are. And aren't you grateful that we have a Savior that came to squash all that? And yet here's Mary and Joseph living in reality. No, they couldn't explain what had happened to them. But here's what they did know. God did it. (laughs) Right? If God did it, then what's right? What do you do? If God did it, you accept it. You go forward. And you know what? God can't do that if you're not available and if you're not teachable. Right? So Joseph had to be fat too. I'm grateful that he was. Joseph, in his own humanness, the Bible even tells us, lays it out. He, in his mind, had determined to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to hurt, hurt her, but he didn't want to be part of that either. But what did God do? Cain talked to him in the vision and said, look. And what did Joseph do? Okay, God. All right. Here's what I would do, I think. I don't know, God. Is that really you? Anybody done that lately? Are you sure, God? So then we got to start talking to people we know. I think God might have said this to me, and they go, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Maybe probably one of him. Now, you get, you get some voices talking to you that aren't God. Because you, we've, all, we, we've, we've got people in our inner ears. Huh? Sometimes it's our own voice, isn't it? Anybody here says they don't talk to themselves, you're lying. Everybody does it, and it's normal. Everybody does it, and it's normal. Even if you're just repeating something so you understand it. Okay? But if you're having full-blown conversations with yourself all the time, make an appointment with somebody. Not me. Somebody. <laughs> but here's the thing, friends. You know, and, and the devil gets in your ear too, doesn't he? Isn't he speaking to you sometime? But here's the You're supposed to be elevated into this place of discernment where when he's in there, you know who it is. You call it out. You say, no, 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 no. Get no, 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 no. We're supposed to be. Now, if you're wondering how it is that God is supposed to use you, and I bet you are, because I think God has opened that avenue and that door for you today. Some of you are trying to hold the door shut. 
Right? You're, you're like, God's trying to open that door so he can talk to you, say, I want to use you. And you're like, Rrr. maybe next week, God. Oh, no, I'm busy. Two weeks from now. Well, we're already so close to Christmas. Let's just make it next year. Come on now. Who's done that? You've done it with people. You'll do it with God, I promise you. And you'll make excuses. You'll say, well, we're so close to out the end of the year. Let's just make it next year. And you know what? When next year comes, all these new opportunities open up, and now what? You're so busy again. That, pff, where's God in that? Mm-hmm. You think God doesn't know, by the way? So if you're wondering how it is that God's supposed to use you, remember what Jesus said to his disciples. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nada. So why is it that we seem to want to do everything in life apart from God? You ever notice that? We, we tell God, now, okay, here, God, here's the deal. I know that there are certain things that I'm going to, you need to be available. I'm going to need you for this. But these are things over here, this list of things, I, I got it. I'm, I'm, I, I got these things. I got these things. <laughs> of course, none of you ever did that. None of you at Mecca at home, you, you never did that, right? You never told God, you never prioritized and told God, these are the things I need you to handle, and these are the things you need to allow me to handle. Nobody's ever done that, right? And if you didn't say it, you did it in here. You see, friends, we'll say we're doing things in God and in His strength, but when God approaches any one of us and says He wants to do something in us or through us that would destroy our reputations... Oh, now there's a different attitude toward it. How about that? Amen. Oh, what if it would be something that would cause people to doubt our integrity? Now what? And do you think that every single thing that God's going to ask or call you to do is going to sit right with everybody? As a pastor, I can tell you, I have to make decisions sometimes that's not going to be popular. Exactly. I'm going to have to discipline people in the faith because that's my role. And it's never, it's, it's never pleasant. Never. And you know what? I've seen people get up and leave a church and take a bunch with them too. I've seen it. What if God wanted to do something with us that was so outside of human possibility that it would be something that could only be accomplished by His power? What would you say? You see, God wants to use all of us with His power. And so here's my question. What are you going to do when He appears to you? And He will. He will. He will. He has. Some of you, He's been appearing, and you just keep... Next week, next month, next year, when I retire. You know, we, we, we've done that. Friends, I'm telling you, we've done it. And then you hear people say like, well, there's no time like the present. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's always in God's timing. It's always in His timing. His timing is what? Perfect. Yeah. 
And you know what? <laughs> Whenever God comes calling, it's never a good time for you. Have you ever noticed that? It's never a good time for you because the enemy doesn't want it to be. He never wants it to be. Do you understand that? And whether you like it or not, lastly, here's what God does. He uses people for His own purposes. We want to be used for our purposes. (laughs) We want to be used in ways that suits us, which is why we pick and choose the things that we will allow God to use us with. We do. We do. If someone in the church, church leadership or the pastor comes to you and says, hey, would you be willing to do the, one of these things? You, here's what you'll do. You'll take the list and say, oh, maybe this, maybe that, but not these things. Yeah? It's what suits you that you'll do. Notice that God only calls you to things that you like. You notice that God only uses you in ways that are comfortable for you? Did you notice He only calls you when it's convenient? <laughs> so if you're, if, if, okay, so if you're, you, you see the irony of that. So if that's the case, then how is He using you? You might be doing things for God, but He didn't ask you to do them. Right, I could say it again. You know, you, you need to do the things God has called you to do, not what seems good and other people are called to do. You need to be available and teachable. Yeah? You see, God has never been obligated to tell us His purposes, and not only that, His purpose, purposes are sometimes well past finding out. He thinks way differently than we do. Have you noticed that? Although, I dare say, he's hoping that we'll become like him so that we will think the way he does. But that's a sermon. Uh Uh-huh. But, you know, we, we, we do get an insight into two of the greatest purposes as they are revealed to Mary. First of all, God used Mary to give birth to Jesus, yeah? And he did so so that Jesus could do what? Save others. Why Mary? Who knows? Other than God. God alone knows why. We know some things, but God alone knows why. But of course, we can assume. Now, what we do know is that God selected her for the purpose of being the incubator for the Messiah. Because that's really what she is. Now, some people may be offended me saying that, but that's basically it, okay? And the reason was so that all the world could trust Him and then be saved. So that was her role. And you know, my friends, God does things in our lives as well for the same reasons. Some of them are going to be significant, and some of them are going to seem insignificant. And I've done some pretty insignificant things in the church. And you better believe a lot of the things that you do in the church or in God's kingdom, no one's even going to know about it but God. But if you're in it because you want someone to say, oh, you did a great job in that, then you ought not be doing it. I'm telling you. 
I had some guys at my first church played a little trick on me one time. I've told some of you about this. I was brand spanking new, knew everything and knew nothing at the same time. My first sermon was eight minutes long. And you're all going, oh, for those days. So in 30 years of ministry, this is what I've found out. You may tell me it was a great message, but you might not necessarily think it was. And there's going to be messages that I thought were tremendous and nobody will say a word. And then there's days that I wish there was a trap door back here that I would fall out and be, have to face anybody. And people come up and say, oh, my goodness, you were speaking right to me. I'm like, what are you hearing? <laughs> oh, yes. And I walked out of Sunlight Fellowship Wesleyan Church, and I stand in the foyer, had double acting doors. Some of you have been there, you know, uh, Bob and Kathy, you've been there, a few others. Okay, so, so I, I was standing back there at the, door, at the glass doors, and uh, one of the first guys come up. I was greeting people, and he said, he said you know, Pastor, you know, let that one go. We all have, we all have bad days. I said, I'm shaking his hand as he's going out the door. <laughs> so more people came through, and another guy came up, and we're, we're laughing. And he, he, put, he, he, goes, he goes, hey, just forget about that one. It's all, it's all right. It's okay. He, we, we're, we're not going to do anything about it. It's all right. And I'm going. <laughs> so the last guy was hanging out. They did this on purpose. The last guy was hanging out. He said, he said I, let her, I, want, I want to talk to him in a minute. I said, okay, what's up? He goes, he said, man, he says, he says, whatever was happening this week, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever it was, you know, next week's a new week. You'll, you'll, you'll be better next week. I know you will. And I went, <laughs> so I drove home. I told my wife, I said, how was my sermon today? She goes, oh, about normal. <laughs> That's not good. Right? Right? So don't get any ideas. I'm wise to it now. See? Right? <laughs> see? Right? No, I, you know, I know, you never know how God is going to use you. You don't know if it, you know, but if, if you, if I stand at that door and I want you to tell me how great it is or how great I am, then I'm in it for the wrong reasons. I'm in the wrong game. I'm telling you right now, because it doesn't come from you. It comes from him. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. Now, we like to have people pass up. We like to know that we're effective. I want to know I'm effective. I do. Everybody does. But friends, listen. God is going to call you to do things that you don't want to do. I'm telling you. And nobody's going to know you did it. Okay? And if people don't tell... If you do that so long, people are, if people don't give you some accolades, you're like, I don't do this anymore. Because no one cares anyway. That's the enemy talking. That's not God talking. Right? Because in my mind, friends, over the course of 30 years of ministry, I quit this job a thousand times. When people didn't like something I did or didn't do. When people disagreed with something I did or didn't do. When all I did was lay my heart out for the Lord and did what He told me to do. And people didn't like it. Or when, you know, people get up and leave or because this or that. Or they move to a different church or they whatever. Okay? Right? This is... And I'm grateful we have the church we do today. I'd like to see it more full than it is. COVID has hurt us, but there's some other things too, because we're fickle sometimes. You know, I was thinking the other day, if everybody who attends here actually came, we wouldn't have enough seats. Wouldn't that be great? That's, that's a good problem to have. And we can build that new building we want to build down here on 13th and Holman. 
with our academy. If everybody came and tithed the way they should, friends, I'm telling you, we could do what God, and that's, that's God's plans for us. So let's get her done, amen? Because God can do things that humans cannot do. He brings things into fruition that you don't know about. He has resources you don't have. And God does things in our lives just like He did in their lives, and He does it for the same reason, so that others will be saved. Secondly, God used Mary so that He would receive the glory. Mary sings a song or a canticle that in the Byzantine tradition has been named the Magnificat. You've probably heard of of that before. Byzantine. Remember I told you two different types of Scripture that we get. Byzantine and... Alexandrian. Remember that? If you're here on Wednesday night, you probably learned it. Here's the deal. Okay? In the Byzantine tradition, that's what it is named. It is a canticle that's called the Magnificat. It is her song of praise to God. In the first stanza, uh, it gives God all the glory for saving her and using her. Did you see that? That's why I use it here. Because it's almost never put in the same message. She praises him for saving her and using her. Somehow she knew she was saved, friends. She was going to give birth to the Savior, but she knew she was saved. How is that? Now listen. But the remainder of the song gives God glory for coming to the rescue of his people. She says it. Thank you for saving Israel. I find that extraordinary. But isn't that what God is? Extraordinary? And so as our worship team comes, friends, here's my question. Are you ready to be used by God today? Oh, and Scotty, you you guys can go north too. Start. Because God wants to use us. When God said, I want you to put two churches together, I didn't understand why. In fact, I didn't really, honestly, really want to do it, to be honest with you, to start. But now... I'm grateful that we were obedient because that's exactly what we were supposed to do. And I don't know that God's done with that even yet. You know, we have to experience God in His entirety. I say we only want to use God because we do. We use God for what we want out of Him. God, I want your grace. I want your salvation. But beyond that, let me decide the rest. No. No. It doesn't work that way. You see, you need to receive His forgiveness too, probably more often than you know. Sometimes it isn't against others that you've done it. It's toward Him that you've done it. Whenever you don't have time for Him when He wants to speak to you, whenever you don't have time to get in His Word to learn what He's... There's, there's people in the church today that spend little or no time in here and therefore all these different weird ideas are out there about what Christianity is and they're false. But if everybody was in here like they belong, it wouldn't matter. Every church would be the same. Are there gray areas? Yes, but there's an awful lot more black and white in here. I'm telling you. And even if we don't agree with our, our brothers and sisters on certain things, we all would, if we were in here, would have a heart for each other, and it wouldn't matter anyway. That's the fact. From here, you must prepare to be his instrument. And every one of you is an instrument. 
Okay? For this is one of the reasons he saved you in the first place. Because he wants to use you. So the question is, are you fat for God? Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.